Federal CIOs have gotten a series of policy updates from the Office of Management and Budget over the last couple of years, all aimed at modernizing not just the government's infrastructure, but government itself. My next guest has been a big part of the team reworking that policy. Margie Graves is the Federal Deputy Chief Information Officer and a new fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. And she joins me now. Ms. Graves, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Okay. Let's talk about some of these policy, because I've been following it and Station has been following it, really a rapid-fire updates to things like tick and the cloud policy, trusted internet connection, all of those things. You're the deputy federal CIO. How should the agency and department CIOs take in all of this? The important thing to remember is this is all done within the framework of the president's management agenda, which has the three elements of IT modernization, leveraging data as a strategic asset and workforce of the 21st century. So the suite of policies that we have either updated or created where we identified gaps um, work together uh, to enable those three things to be implemented within the agency. So, for example, if we're asking agencies to uh, rapidly adopt cloud technologies, commercial technologies, shared services, uh, then we provided the cloud smart policy and also the companion document for application rationalization that enables them to do that. Like that, we also have addressed some of the cybersecurity aspects um, by updating our trusted internet connection policy, which previously probably provided one point of, of egress and ingress for um, data and transport. And in actuality, that is not the way cloud environments and particularly hybrid cloud environments work today. Uh, we need to recognize that and we need to enable that adoption of cloud uh, so that we have taken a risk-based approach to um, the perimeter defense, and we are looking at different ways of implementing that that address the risk, but also uh, allow us to adopt those technologies. So I think uh, if you look at it that way, there are a suite of things that work together. And then ultimately, uh, we don't do any of this. We don't accomplish any of this without talent. And the talent that we have within the federal government and reskilling that talent into areas where we have gaps uh, in um, capability and also in sheer numbers, uh, which also exist in industry, by the way, and particularly in cybersecurity and in the data scientist realm. So we're also working on a data scientist series with OPM that would enable us to attract more talent in that arena. And we've just completed a cybersecurity reskilling academy and are about to launch a similar effort in the data scientist arena. So all of those actually work together as a suite, and we didn't just uh, derive those from our own analysis. We actually uh, had a co-creation and an extensive engagement with both the federal staff and also industry as to what their pain points were. So the ones we addressed first were the ones that they wanted changed. And do you see the federal CIOs as, that is, the agency and department CIOs, are they working primarily as the computer people on the infrastructure, or are they really mission support people? Because ultimately, the government is about programs and not about infrastructure. Correct. I would say that uh, CIOs today, as they are in industry, are becoming partners for tech enablement of mission or business. 
And what I mean by that is um, it's not about the technology itself. It's about what are the problems you're trying to solve, what are the services you're trying to deliver, uh, what is your customer base, and how do we want to make sure, in particular, the citizen is served better by our government services, and then you apply the most current technologies um, that we need to transform to use uh, into that equation. So it's almost a constant conversation from the very beginning. And that's not just inclusive of CIOs. It's inclusive of the entire C-suite, including flexible financial models and like we have with MGT and the Working Capital Funds and the Technology Modernization Fund, as well as best-in-class vehicles and acquisition approaches uh, that we have partnered with GSA to provide. We're speaking with Margie Graves. She's Federal Deputy CIO and a new fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. And before we get to Napa, I just wanted to ask you, given all of these new variables in technology and the flexible spending idea and the involvement of chief financial officers and so forth, how do CIOs, do you think, get past rules, compliance, and uh, you know, the FATARA kind of stuff and really help affect change yet marshalling the resources they need to give agencies that technology enablement? I would say that um, we have been working very closely with both the uh, budget side of OMB uh, to enable certain of the larger projects uh, to go forward. Also, the projects that we've awarded at the TMF demonstrate through the Technology Modernization Fund how change can be affected and how it can be done uh, with a revolving fund so that the money is actually paid back over time. So that's a demonstration project. Now, at this point in time, what we need to do is we need to scale, and we need to um, more rapidly franchise some of these demonstration projects that we've done. Um, That is not the the purview of, of OMB writ large. It's probably going to occur within the agencies, Um, You know, not our budget at OMB, but outside of this particular realm and out in the agencies, depending on mission. The conversations are occurring uh, with both GAO and with Congress as to how we would set the next set of measures for FATARA, that they would actually reflect um, the citizen engagement, the uh, citizen uh, satisfaction with services, uh, the delivery of mission and the digitization of our of our um, uh, processes and procedures, all of those. Um, a citizen should expect to interact with the government similar to the way they interact with commercial services. Now, you are not one of those always has been and always will be government people. You've had a good private sector stint. Just quickly review your career for us, and uh, what's it like at OMB, what have you learned working in a situation like that? My uh, career actually started in uh, in pure science. I worked with environmental science and particularly in nuclear chemistry at the time. And from that, I went uh, on to my MBA. And when I added the financial aspect of my education, I went directly into um, mergers and acquisitions. So in the pharmaceutical industry and the banking industry and and things of that nature. That was done through, of course, management consulting. And then when 9-11 happened, I I got a call from a friend uh, who was looking to put together the Department of Homeland Security, and I wanted to serve. And uh, they said that that was going to be the largest merger and acquisition in federal government history outside of DOD. 
So that sounded um, not only like an opportunity to serve, but also like it might make best use of my skill set. So that's how I went to DHS. We spent a lot of time on the consolidation and the um, rationalization of the 22 entities that came together to form DHS. And then when I moved to OMB, uh, the reason why I was asked to come over here in detail and then eventually to stay was because I did have that operational viewpoint. And the policies that were coming from OMB would be um, the kinds of policies that I would be responsible for implementing at an agency like DHS. So that insight is informative when you're actually developing the policy itself. And here at OMB, I've been uh, privileged to work with the President's Management Agenda. I've seen uh, many of these policies be reworked, reconstituted to comport with the way we deliver technology today. And I've learned so much about the other missions uh, that occur across the federal government that I wasn't as familiar with coming from one agency. Um, but it's been a real inspiring and eye-opening experience for me to be able to talk with those who deliver those missions on a daily basis and to incorporate their thoughts and their requirements into the policies that we're letting here at OMB. And in all of that extra time you have, what will you focus on through NAPA? Well, I think the the grand challenge agenda that NAPA has put in place, and particularly the uh, agile government part of the equation, is where I'm going to spend a lot of my time. Uh, We are about to uh, release in fairly soon uh, the data strategy for the federal government, and I've spent a lot of my time in, in the last year working on the data strategy, and also the federal approach to the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policy, uh, that in partnership with many people here at OMB. Uh, And I'm thankful for that experience also because that has been that and passing the uh, Modernizing Government Technology Act and getting the TMF up and running. Those have been highlights of how we're actually going and getting it done. And that's exactly what NAPA allows us to do. It brings together industry, academic, and uh, federal partners, uh, both current and former, to be able to talk about those big transformative ideas, to be able to um, bring approaches into the equation uh, where agencies can actually uh, use frameworks and and approaches to uh, implement. Uh, it's it's another good government forum where we can lift the conversation and get uh, many ideas into the equation. Margie Graves is the federal deputy CIO and a new fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, sir. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Pop quiz. What can you buy for three ninety nine? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash bestmusic for details. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. 
Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.